We're gonna make a podcast about Death Note and I'll get my friends to watch it on TV. I already showed them a couple shows so they have trusted me. Maybe, kinda. Hello, good evening, good morning, good whatever it is, wherever you are. And welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the single season television show rewatch podcast starring me, your host, Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Jesse. And with me, as always, this week is my very longtime friend and co-host, Josh. Welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, Josh. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Let's just keep it rolling. There's two episodes, Josh, not just one episode. Keep that in my mind. Bad. This, this season collection. of Sudden But Inevitable <laughs> We are covering two episodes at a time. Of what you ask? Death Note, of course. This is, that's right, season four of Sudden But Inevitable, and we are watching through Death Note with Josh. And of course, the second member of my crew, which is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing good. I'm glad it's Friday evening. I'm glad there's time for podcasts. It's going to be a good night. I can assure you that is going to be true. Do you know why, gentlemen? Because our friend Rosie is here in the chat already. She is here with us despite having had a long week, much like we have had ourselves, and she is ready to breathe and relax. And it sounds like Sean from Cheap Seat Reviews says, hello, everyone. Hi, Sean. Hello, Callie in the live chat. Thank you both for being here. We appreciate you, ladies. Now, of course, as I said, this is the second episode of season four, and we're talking about Death Note this season. Last week, we had some very, very interesting, uh, let's see, let's call them theories and predictions from Josh and Ricky D. And I had a lot of fun introducing you guys to Death Note. I feel like your reaction to these first two episodes that we talked about were maybe lukewarm is the word that I'm looking for. So I'm really excited to see how you guys feel about these episodes, which of course are three and four. The episodes are called Dealings and Pursuit. So Let's start off with dealings. This is the episode where, amongst other things, uh, Light is first offered the Shinigami ideal. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. First reaction. Did you think he was going to take the deal? 100%. When the episode three ended, I was like, okay, he's going to take these eyes. He's going to give away this half of his remaining life, which could be 20 years. It could be 20 minutes. We don't know. Uh, I was 100% sitting here going, okay, well, episode four is going to be him taking on this power. And episode four started with, no, are you stupid? I'm not taking that. Josh, what about you? Did you think he was going to take it? I, I did. I did really think like when episode four started, I was like, oh, wow. Huh? Well, that's, that's an interesting twist. But then he starts talking about like other things and like how he can become a god kind of and stuff. So it made sense. He was like, well, if you're offering me this, then there's got to be something else that you can offer me. Right. It's kind of where, well, where I think the reason I bring it up is because of Ricky D's prediction from our first episode this season. He, if you will remember, has stated, I believe the direct quote was that light will become a member of Shin Megami Tensei land. Um, (laughs) 
So let's just back up really quick now that I've got that question out of the way. Okay. So episode three dealings actually starts with Matsuda saying what I think a lot of people would be thinking in this situation where he's like, hey, um, we should probably also note that there has been less crime recently. Like ever since criminals were suddenly began dying, you know, supernaturally at random, uh, there's yeah, there have been fewer criminals overall. So like, yeah. just feel like we should bring that up. It's like a Batman scenario. Oh, the the bat signals in the sky. We should probably not do right. that. Twenty three people died today. We should probably not do that. <laughs> That's a really good point, Josh. And it's actually the same uh, thematic argument that happens in, for example, Boondock Saints. Right? Like, you have vigilante justice going on here, and you're justice. going to have a portion of the population going, "Why is that bad?" And, you know, then, of course, you have L going for the following list of reasons. <laughs> and I I really, really like that we're finally I mean, you know, it's three episodes in, but we're finally starting to delve into some of the more conceptual stuff about this series. And I think I think he started getting a lot of like uh, support in episode two, because I did watch episode two again before episode three and four, just because why not? And like at the beginning of that one, they were kind of talking about Kira and like supporting that stuff mm -hmm. was it this one am i am i getting them confused well it was i mean it's because like there was he got a bunch of emails and he was like look at everyone they love me i am a god or something maybe that was this one jeez man i gotta not watch three episodes in a row <laughs> well and that's part of that was part of my fear of doing two episodes at a time for season four but like I said, we don't have 37 weeks on end. I wish that we did, but we need to celebrate Firefly this year. So we have mm -hmm. to get this series done before that becomes a thing. So I will ask another question. Uh, let's start with Josh this time. Josh, what did you think about the reveal that the chief of police is Light's dad? I thought that was a really cool twist. Uh, and especially... And especially because he can hack into the, the server. Like, he can actually go into the chief of police. He can go into his computer and find all the files. Like, why doesn't the chief of police have better security on his home server? I don't think he suspects his son to <laughs> actually go hack into his... His son's like an honor roll student and a really good kid. I don't think he will. Uh, and I think he's a bad chief of police if he's leaving his information that vulnerable. And this is 2006. Come on. I would, <laughs> there's a, there are, That's a strong point. There argument. are multiple layers, yes, but the first layer does, is many inches thick, and it is, it's 2006. <laughs> and I will point out, what Light actually says is, we are on a home network, so I can copy these files without leaving a trace. And then he says, I can hack into my dad's files. But then what it shows him do is just squint and guess his dad's password, <laughs> which which is fine. I'm fine with that. Like, it's your dad. You would know the things that he might, you know, he's a, a genius, et cetera. So I'm fine with that. But it does sort of make that moment a little more confusing because you're like, wait, so he's going into the police computers from home? No. What's happening is he's going onto his dad's computer in the other room where his dad brought some files home from work because his dad doesn't know that you can do things on a local area network like just take files. Um, right. Which because, I mean, if you think about it, his dad's, what, 40, maybe 50 in 2006? So he didn't grow up with computers. Good point, Josh. Wow. But Ricky D, I'll ask you because I feel that you are generally 
the curmudgeon that's a good word for it did you feel that this this reveal or that this plot point of his father being the police chief do you feel that that's like too much of a contrivance or are you like okay that's a necessary like reason for him to be able to have access to stuff like there had to be a thing right mm-hmm. uh i'm kind of leaning towards it's a contrivance i i don't think that uh all of the most important characters in a story have to be so fused tightly together. I think the chief of police could be some dude that lives across town or something like that. Uh, but I I think it does open the door for a lot of interesting plot lines. So while I'm kind of turning my nose up at it, I'm still curious and I'm still excited to see where it goes. It makes such a good plot point too, because now like... And you see it immediately with L because he's like, oh, my goodness, he like he saw what happened. Like the the killer actually knows what's going on within the police. Like he's got to there has to be something there. Like L is no slouch when it comes to detective work. But light right. is also no slouch when it comes to like covering things up. What a genius that kid is. And like, I mean, you see it more in episode four, but even episode three, there's there's a lot of like him realizing what's going on and understanding how l is thinking and trying to play a game with him basically and it's it's incredible how how well they like wove that together like it's just it's it's great (laughs) i think the word you're looking for is cool it's cool and i think it's so like in cowboy bebop right where the rule of cool would be show the spaceship and play jazz music right Rule of cool here is, okay, give this person a heavy counterpunch, right? Like, give something where it's like, oh, you thought this person was totally sunk? Nope, his dad's part of the police. Or like, you know, you thought they totally figured out that he was a student? Yep, but, right? Like, there's so much- That they think he's a student, so- There's so much play and counterplay. Um Josh, I'll ask you, did you take any particular notice of the music in this in these in this pair of episodes or just kind of in the first four episodes overall? Because I wrote down sort of like my not overall thoughts on it, but kind of the the path that it takes in this episode. Well, did you have any musical thoughts to share? The, the the music in this whole series so far has been kind of lackluster to me. Like I love the theme song. It's cool. But they really use that same kind of reveal beat and riff every time like when something important is happening they refer back to that like guitar riff that they play in the first episode or the the, it's the second episode when they're going doing the back and forth with l and stuff like there's that song and then they play it again i think they play it in three and four when there's like dialogue happening and it's like kind of intense dialogue they play that same same song which i i understand that that's their that's like their song for that kind of um situation I just in when it comes to like like Cowboy Bebop, they always played something different and they always played to the environment. Whereas yeah. this one is kind of the same environment, so they're playing the same song. So I don't disagree with you, but I would like to ask you an elaborative question. Do you think your opinion on the music might change if you pictured each instrument in the tension slash release slash revelation song whatever it is right if you pictured each instrument in that song as a character in the show do you think that might make it 
more enjoyable that's something that's that's already happening like for for me like i i know the the music when it comes to like like uh scores and stuff and especially being a star wars fan and john williams and being a john williams fan in general he writes to his characters and he writes you know sonatas to all of all of the different characters and stuff and and use those those same musical keys and notes in different scenes when those characters pop up so it's i i did notice that for sure that like when it was like an L scene, like an L and light scene when they're both kind of together. There's like a, a catch, uh, a back and forth, like a, a you know toss and catch kind of thing that yep. that happens with the music. And it, it is it is really cool. Um, and personally, I hope that they go a little bit deeper with that later on, you know, like maybe they'll advance the music a little bit and kind of change it up, which I'm sure they will in 37 episodes. Um, but yeah, it, I do. I do enjoy it. It's just not, it doesn't get me the same way that, that Bebop did. I fully understand that, but I would actually argue that it is getting you exactly the same way Bebop did. And that's why it's, you're not liking it as much because it's <sighs> Maybe. like, okay. it's putting, it's, it's making you feel slower and more contemplative and like, come on, what's the next step? Like, I need to know the plan. I want the next thing. And I know that you, of all people crave plot advancement. <laughs> I will tell you there are a, there are episodes in this show that are not filler but that are also not taking place over more than like 8 minutes. I watched so, 9 seasons of Clone Wars. So like Oh, so you're ready for it. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> I'm pretty used to that kind of thing. Uh Ricky D, I am sorry that we have rambled. Do you have any thoughts on the music that you would like to speak on? Uh, well, I was actually just listening to Josh talking and thinking, I don't, I'm not as adept with music and I don't listen to it. I don't pay as much attention to it. However, I still get that effect. The way Josh says these different characters have these kind of themes that come to them or the situations have these themes. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm not paying attention to that, those cues kind of grab my brain and it points me in the right direction. And that's something that's really cool. I, I'm not able to describe it as well. I'm not as able to uh pay much attention to it but that doesn't mean i'm not being affected by it no and i think that that's actually a great point is that you don't have to be aware of it to benefit from it like and you don't even have to be like i'm not trying to talk down to anybody that's like my natural tone it just sounds that way <laughs> um but like even if you're not thinking like oh what does the music mean or like oh how do i feel now it you're still getting the effect of it so like ryuk having like the crazy choral voices like the oh, like very imposing gothic. he's got he's got darkness the gothic, gothic yeah. yeah and then light has like this very plinky plunky synth going on and there's a little tiny acoustic guitar and then there's an electric guitar when there's a revelation like bright horns for light because he views himself as this hero right so i just i'm i'm glad that you had at least some feelings on it josh even if they're not quite what i expected because i knew that you would um now, to, and to Ricky's point, I like I like the different themes and stuff because like when I'm laying there listening to a show or something, you can always tell who's on the screen by the different music. Yeah, and that's that's one one reason I I love that kind of stuff so much because like if I'm there listening to something like like say Star Wars, you know, I know even if it's quiet or something or I'm I got my eyes closed, I know what's going on because the music has Luke's theme, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is the Luke scene. Okay, cool. Well, in this show, like, their use of the absence of music, right? So, like, when they stop the music. That's another cool thing. 
Yeah. Like when light goes, oh, then I'll just eliminate him. And the music just goes doo 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 and trails off and you're like, okay. Like the, it's... the lack of music creates such a uh, big tension. It's like that movie, yeah. uh, A Quiet Place. It was yes. so quiet and like the that that missing music and the darkness of of music the void I, I would call it is is what gives some of those those uh scenes so much tension and that's what makes you feel it a little bit more you know like sometimes when music when they play too much music it takes you out of the of the show or the movie you know that there's there's things out there where if they're playing crazy choruses the whole time and music like you miss the point of some of those really tense scenes yeah and that's I like this because they do bring that silence to it, you know, and there's, it gives you a second to be like, Oh wait, okay. You have my attention. Like what's, what's going to happen now. And that's the thing is that they put it almost where you would put a pause in the conversation. Like when light set light goes, I'll eliminate him. He stops talking. Then the music stops. It's like the music is indicating confidence to you or maybe overconfidence. Now (laughs) to that point, we find out in this episode that Light is being followed. Uh, I will go ahead and say that to me, this feels like the first time in the whole series that Light has been caught off guard. Wasn't that episode four? Or no, he it's finds the, out it's that he's the, getting followed in yep. three and then, okay, okay. Yep, so in three, he finds out towards, yep. mm, with maybe five, ten minutes left, he finds out and then Ryuk offers him the deal. And that's right. why Ryuk yeah. offers him the deal. Okay. I'm sorry, I need to just let you... I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So <laughs> it feels to me like that is the first time that Light has been caught off guard the whole series. And it's it's in a very, they give you an anime shot, right? Like his eyes get big and he looks behind him and all the music stops and he stops moving for a split second. Ricky D, what did you think about this moment? Did you have a moment of panic where you are you finding yourself like, oh, no, he's going to get caught? Or are you like, how is he going to get out of this? Because I know he's getting out of this. Uh, I was more how is he going to get out of it? And, you know, it's not even it's obvious that he's the uh, it's not obvious. The most obvious way to take care of this is to kill that person with a death note. However, that's kind of going against his moral stance. If he's trying to kill nothing but criminals and make the world better then why is he going to kill some person for his own personal convenience? So that uh, that takes him off his pedestal quite a bit in my world. Well, I mean, let's let's be 100% candid about it, right? Like, he has always been nothing more than a murderer, but... What you're doing right now <laughs> you're doing is, is evil. But he's been a murderer that... He used to pretend to have a code. He's kind of in a weird, morally just he's kind of, light area. Right, but... but, code. but if he truly believes that he's creating a better place, then by extension, isn't anyone standing in the way of that better place being created worth eliminating, right? That's definitely a conversation to have, yeah. So, I don't think so. Slippery it's, slope! Especially, <laughs> especially in episode four when you find out that he's the, the, the agent is like leaving. He's like, I'm done. This guy has no... No history. He, he's not suspicious at all. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. Like, just. Just play it cool, man. Just be cool. Just be cool, baby. Be cool. And like, let the guy do his thing and don't be suspicious. And then he'll go away. You know. Like, obviously, you know that the cops are looking at you because you're in your dad's files. You. You know what's going on. Now, so, 
Here's the thing, though. He didn't know that the FBI was investigating him because his dad would not have those files. That's why when he... Yeah. Yeah. In the fourth episode, again, the two-episode thing, but in the fourth episode, when he sees that FBI ID, he's like, oh, that makes sense, but I didn't realize that was happening. Wow, it's a good thing I did this cool bus jacking thing. I just have to really quickly point out this comment from our friend Callie in the live chat in reference to our comment on the music in the silence. She says, it's like Mozart said, the music is not in the notes, but in the silence in between. And then our friend Ryan, of course, is talking about how it is so easy to get lost with power and light seems to be experiencing that. And I will also throw at you, Ricky, like despite him, you know, twisting his moral code to whatever he needs it to be to serve his own ends. He's also just a high school kid, right? So there's some part of him that is arrogant, as our friend Jason mentioned last week on our first episode of the season. Light is very arrogant, so it sort of stands to reason that he would go, oh, you know, here's here's the, here's the extension of my code. I thought that would be obvious. Now, to your point, though, I was like, the first time I watched through this, I was like, that's definitely why he's going to take the deal, because he's like, oh, then I probably have like 100 years left, you know, like exaggerated Mm -hmm. let's say i've got 70 years left then maybe i could get my work done in this amount of time and i figure he'll go okay i'll do my work up to this point and then he'll start a like have a protege or something and pass it along but um i really thought he was going to take the deal too so i'm glad to hear that you both thought that as well now callie says light stepped off of his code the second l criticized him until then he was adamant that he would only kill criminals and I'm going to push you a little bit on that, Callie. And the reason I'm going to do this is because next week, Callie D will be here with us to talk Death Note live on the screen. So she'll be able to defend herself. So what I'm going to say is, (laughs) I think Light doubled down on his code because L told him that what he was doing was evil. And Light was going, no, I'm going to prove to you that what I'm doing is righteous and correct and the best possible outcome for this. So... It could be argued that from an outside perspective, he was no longer righteous, but I would argue that from that perspective, he never was. And oh, so yeah. to that point, you know, this is just another step down the path, I think. It's like something he's telling himself. It's He's got to convince himself that yes. he's doing the right thing. And th- that that just leads to disaster every time when someone has to talk themselves into the fact that oh, maybe me killing these people is, is a good thing like oh no it's totally a good thing no no no, no. i'll murder more of them well, let's go 23 every every day like once every hour uh producers no josh is not speaking from experience he's using this as a for instance in a totally hypothetical situation yes thank go you ahead. thank you thank you <laughs> you're welcome josh i'll ask you the same question i asked ricky d when when light was caught off guard for a moment here and this was the first time that i was feeling that for him this series were you like oh, he's about to confront this guy immediately? Or did you think there's going to be some way he weasels out of this? I My first thought was how cool that this guy can be his backup. I was like, this guy's been watching him the whole time because cause in school, like, Ryu goes to the, he's like, he senses it. He's like, wait a minute, something's, something's off here. Let me, let me go to the, let me go to the window and see, oh, someone's following us. And then he, like, has his cool little monologue where he says, uh, I'm not on either side, but, like, I'll be a roommate sometimes and tell you how I feel. And, and like calling that out, he's like, I just want you to, to know this is going on. Like how cool is that to have a watcher watching your back as you're murdering people all day? <laughs> well, I mean, essentially he's going to, yeah, he's and someone that has watcher. your back that they can't, that no one can see unless it's, you decide it. Now mm-hmm. to that point, 
well, actually, I guess the end of this scene, the end of this first episode has, you know, basically a little bit more exposition from the exposition demon Ricky I'm not going to say that you're incorrect about that <laughs> but what did you think about this this deal were you like because I asked you earlier what you thought about the fact that his dad was the chief of police Ricky and you're like yeah it's a little contrived but whatever I think rule of cool in this show dictates that there has to be a counterpunch, whereas in other shows it would be like a visual thing uh, what did you think about the deal itself were you like okay that's very specific and contrived or like you know it, it, i guess what i'm asking you is like is every time there's a small reveal are you like ugh, rolling your eyes or are you like okay what's the next step or like okay what's the counterpoint to that i was very curious about that because uh his deal implies a lot of other things about the world uh is this a world that's based on fate is everybody do we know when people are going to die the instant they're born maybe not us but do the shinimagami tenseis so that is an important question. Uh, if we have fate, how much el- what else? Is it just your death? And then being able to see that timeline like a like a health bar over their heads in a video game, uh, it just adds a lot of, you know, are there also status effects? <laughs> you know, are there people that are poisoned or where's Roy? Where's uh, the intrepid know? DM? We need to start rolling some dice <laughs> over here to, to knock some hit points down. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like the idea that it's implying more. The idea of fate in this world is very interesting. Uh, you know, predestination and all that. Uh, I think we're going to have to involve Calvinism in this podcast at some point. Well, I will ask you right now because in the next episode, we find out that Light has some m- amount of control over people's actions. Okay, so before we jump to the fourth episode, let's really quickly say hello to Emily in the chat. Hi, Emily. Thank you for being here with us. We are happy to have you. You You love Death Note. You should be watching us every Friday night at 8.30 (laughs) p.m. Mountain Time on YouTube.com slash TwistMyArmPodcast. It's my sister. She's like, I'm just throwing you a bone this week. (laughs) Don't don't give me your propaganda. (laughs) My propaganda is built in, Emily, and I think you know that. Now... Before we jump to our fourth episode of Death Note, gentlemen, I will just ask, is there anything from episode three dealings that you feel that we blew right past or that we have to go back and talk about? Is there any specific details that you want to start with? Ricky, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, the Shin Megami, the I'm going to stop saying that. The Shinigami's <laughs> eyes. Right. I, I liked the idea of that. Um, so his eyes, the eyes are what make him powerful. Just like in Cowboy Bebop, the eyes are what made spike that much more efficient and i've also been in the middle of raised by wolves lately and mother has these super powerful eyes that uh weaponize her uh can you guys think of any other shows where there's like powers within the eyes of the people hercules disney hercules where they pass around the eye between the three sisters that can see things okay yeah I like that one. Um, I don't know that the eyes in this movie have powers, but I remember being struck by the imagery as well as some of the dialogue surrounding the eye transplant in Minority Report. Um, Yeah. When Tom Cruise gets the new eyes so that he doesn't immediately pop up on every police scanner that he walks past, the, the... the blind man, I think, says to him in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. creepy as all get out. We <laughs> um, got Kano. Kano for Mortal Kombat. But that's a brilliant parallel specifically yeah, between I agree. Ryuk and Spike. Like, you, I didn't even put that, that together. <laughs> he went to film school, bro. 
Oh, oh yeah. That's right. Which film school? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Cornell. I was it Cornell? But I liked I, I did actually I really like the shot that they show you of Light's face in Ryuk's eye because he looks like a little kid. Like it's it's like a fisheye lens or something, and it makes Light look very childish, almost like like it's like a little kid. And not innocent, but like naive, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um did you have anything else, Ricky, or should we jump to Josh? I think I'm good. Josh, what about you? Is there anything I, from episode three? I don't really have anything no um i think we covered most of the things that i wanted to cover other than like our shot of the show and stuff but right all right so at the start of episode four i'm sorry i can't help myself this little guitar theme (laughs) that we start with at the start of episode four it's like the uh reset the game board song i think for death note (laughs) like there's a little bit of a going on and what they're doing is going okay everybody has some one-ups on everybody else right and those people are in constant opposition and i just i wrote down because these are words that i've heard josh but i'm not 100 percent sure on what they mean is this the uh opposite of a polyrhythmic breakdown like is this a polyrhythmic build up while l is speaking like it's like they're adding in different instruments to that music you were talking about like the back and forth tension music it's like are there multiple rhythms in there that line up and then they drop them off at different times? Or is it the same rhythm that they are just starting it at different times? I can't tell. I was hoping maybe you did. Uh, I think it's just it's just starting at different times. I, I'd have to go back and listen to it again, which I can do really fast. But like I yeah, I don't I don't think it would be considered like a polyrhythmic thing as much as it would be just kind of like a remix ish okay. or like a, a I don't know just like a, a staggered that uh, sounds like the word start, I'm looking for you know yeah like, <laughs> well and that's what I did that's why I didn't know because it was like I'm hearing the instruments don't all start at the same time and they don't end at the same time and I think that that might be where some of the tension is coming from in the music because it's like it feels like the instruments are almost fighting each other sort of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I would like to say to Emily, yes, we are live on YouTube right now. That is your comment that we are talking about. How cool is yeah. that? <laughs> this is 2022 on the internet. Thank you for being here with us. Everybody's famous. Everybody is famous except for Josh and Ricky D. So I figured, you know what? We're going to fix that. I'm just kidding. None of us are famous yet. Now, if... If I'm not mistaken, we are on episode four, gentlemen. Light, I do have, okay, I'll make this the last question that I have, okay? Or the last direct question that I have. I'm going to start with you, Josh. When they go on this date, Light calls a girl at what is probably pretty early in the morning and says, hey, get out of bed, I'm taking you on a totally not suspicious date. And they go to Spaceland, and she makes the comment I haven't been to Spaceland since junior high. When was the last time you guys went to Spaceland? Josh, I'll start with you. Uh, Spaceland. Um, would you consider... Look uh, at him sp- trying to answer the question. He's like, well, wait, when did I go to Spaceland? <laughs> would you consider, like, because I drove by the... No, it's a fake question. <laughs> Shut up. I'm trying to answer your question. But I drove by the Space Force Division in Aurora at one point, 
And then there's always the museum that has like the space land, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think the last time I was at a space land was probably either seventh grade when I went to Disney World and went to the space place, or I don't know, sometime in my twenties when I was at the museum on some random stupid date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last night when I was staying up late watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, my friend. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I it's it was one of those things where I was like, I wonder if it was called Spaceland in the original, or if they would just come up with a name for anything. I, I imagine Spaceland is very similar to Pizza Planet from <laughs> Toy Story. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But do they have like dedicated buses that go to Pizza Planet? Because isn't Pizza Planet basically like a pizza restaurant in the style of a Chuck E. Cheese, where the E stands for entertainment? Uh, yeah, you sound disappointed about that. No, I'm not disappointed. I'm saying, isn't that a different sort of establishment than what you are describing? Uh, maybe they don't have Chuck E. Cheese in Japan. <laughs> I, maybe not. So they, they went, oh, okay, just base it on that, that pizza franchise from that American animated movie about toys. Yeah. Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah, that's what they were doing. I fully agree. It was a really popular movie. <laughs> Somebody working on Death Note was like, where do I get my Toy Story reference in in the production of this series? Oh, right here, Spaceland. But people won't know that I meant Pizza Planet, but you know, it's close. <laughs> so, okay. We have... <laughs> there used to be a theme park in Japan, which translated is called Space World or Spaceland. It closed in 2018. Thanks, Callie. I am going to call that a hashtag boom. And <laughs> speaking of, hashtag hello to our friend Brittany. Thank you for joining us. And I got to say... There is no live chat more informative than the Sudden But Inevitable live chat. If you are out there listening in podcast land and you want to get out on this, you know what to do. I'm not going to repeat it this time. Now, Ricky, I promise this will be the actual last question that I ask. Had you deduced what was going to happen when this criminal got on the bus? Or was this whole scene like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had no idea how it was going to go down. There were, I mean, I knew that, yeah, I guess I was pretty much in the dark. I knew that he's trying to find his stalker. I knew he was going to use the death note to manipulate somebody else. But other than that, lots of the details were missing. Uh, I didn't know he was going to get the guy's FBI badge. Uh, I didn't know he was going to use the death note as a physical, like, spell against uh, the guy on the bus. So very interesting. He cast illusion on the bus jacker <laughs> yes. and it totally, it totally worked. Yeah. I, I think for me, my favorite part of that, of probably of this whole episode actually is the shot right after he touches that piece of the death note, the bus goes under an overpass and the shadow oh. of the overpass doesn't recede once the bus is past the overpass because we're seeing that guy's point of view and Ryuk's shadow is now cast over him. So when the bus should be now bathed in light after having passed under this overpass, all you get is Ryuk's shadow, and that's why he turns around, and he's like, hey, hey, we just went under the overpass. What's going on? Why is there still a shadow? And can you even imagine? <laughs> like, you just, it's like, I, I was blown away the first time I saw this, because I was like, why is he showing him Ryuk? And then I went... Oh, right, because any normal person would freak out yeah. completely <laughs> and want off the bus. I and just 
I, I, I love this whole orchestration. Josh, go ahead. Well, I so with that, like, again, that kid is a genius because he already had gotten a background of this guy, knowing that he's unstable, knowing that anything could completely set him off to where even if he does kill him, it's going to look like something completely different, which he made sure that happened. And so having him see Ryuk was like basically giving him a handful of mushrooms and being like, aha, good luck, you know, and and him just making that guy freak out and make the FBI agent think that he's hallucinating and like going crazy. But I did want to point out, I just listened to the the beginning music of it and it's it's very just it's offbeat stuff it's it's just off the actual like regular beat but it's like different it's ba- it's a bouncy i would call it a bouncy kind of soundtrack at that beginning that's that's offbeat so just to answer that what? thank you for doing <laughs> that. i well and i really I, I just the whole thing like for the for the music throughout this whole series i've i have loved it and i feel like I almost feel like it's more important. I don't, I hesitate to make this kind of a comparison, but I almost feel like it is more important for like an animated program's music to be well done than it is a live action program. If that, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true. It feels like it though, because it's like there's less there to couch small like breaks an immersion in right like if you're watching a tv show that's in live action there's some stuff where you go oh it's because it's an actor and they can only do so much on a set right Mm -hmm. but with animation it's like they can do whatever they want so i feel like the music has to really fit because otherwise it's like you've made a series of poor choices at this point i think right And from from what little experience i have with anime most of the time the music is the best part and i think most animes really take pride in their music and their scores and their soundtracks and they want them to be better than the last because they want people to feel something a little bit more from just a little animated show um and that that goes from like the the spirited away i i love the soundtrack of that and um what's there's there's another one that that same guy did that's really popular princess mononoke um also just wonderful soundtrack uh, and then, I mean, the Star Wars Visions anime. I know it's Star Wars. I know blah blah blah. But that soundtrack, it's different. But it's except it, for the it, one it, that was specifically about music, which was ugh. really bad. I was. Oh my <laughs> god, it was so bad. But I. But, it, I'll take it back. Still, it wasn't for me. I did not like it. <laughs> it's good for kids. But like, yeah, I'm sure. Again, yeah, they that on pretty much every other episode, they stuck with that format of just having really good music that plays to the characters it plays to the scenes it plays to what's going on i mean i would i would push you and just be like for a star wars show it's easy you just put star Hell wars yeah, yeah. music in it yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, like a little not remix to talk of that. down to I mean, it right but yeah it's already there <laughs> right but that's why i went with a couple references before star wars just to... <laughs> good good call that's that's probably the way to go I know the way to your so, heart. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. You have to go in a very roundabout, non-Star Wars-y <laughs> way. Maybe th- sprinkle a little in, in there just to... Like, so, pepper. realistically, though, right, this girl is, like, the most traumatized girl ever, right? Like, this is the worst date anyone has ever been on. She's like, oh, like, a really cute, very popular, very smart guy wants to go on a date with me. 
oh, cool. We're going to go to like a fun, maybe Chuck E. Cheese style place. Oh, okay. Except now we're on a bus. That's not great. Oh, and there's a bus jacking. This is awful. Like that poor girl. What a terrible date. <laughs> I don't feel like that for her. Like at the beginning, she kind of seemed like she she was just so excited to be alone with the dude. And you know they do oh, say sure. the best relationships start out with traumatic experiences. So this like... is not the movie Speed. In <laughs> even if it were, I don't think. That, because think about it, her trauma was actually just seeing a criminal like try to kill her and then get exploded by a car. <laughs> like, I like for her, it was. I mean, it was like a very not regular day. Um, but to your point, Josh, I mean, it's possible that she would immediately want to marry him because he was ultra calm under pressure, or she would immediately go okay, he is a sociopath. Like, <laughs> he had no reaction to this bus jacking. He was totally fine when all this crap was happening. He didn't react when that dude's face got run over by a car. Like, I don't like this guy. I can't deal with it anymore. What do you guys think? Do you think this girl is going to become a character further down the road? Or do you think this is the last that we are seeing of the girl on the date? I should probably die later on. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is going to be pretty much the last we see of her. Uh, I don't think that Light has enough strong relationships with people that we're going to get a lot of recurring characters. We're going to see his family members. We're going to see Ryuk. We're going to see the police department. But I don't see Light forging strong relationships with very many human characters. And Also, to answer, uh, I'm pretty sure the girl would be thrilled to st still be with Light. Uh, like he, he was kind of being a badass. He was very calm in the bad situation. Uh, she was clearly very into him from the start. So oh, finally get you alone. Yeah. I think she would be interested, but I don't think light has that capacity for human empathy. Speaking of red flags, just someone saying that is a red flag. Like I could just, <laughs> you, and I, you know, I always do it. Disagree. The, the How I Met Your Mother reference of Crazy Eyes, which is actually kind of a Firefly reference because Crazy Eyes was, what's her name from Firefly? The, uh, uh, the, uh, you uh, just want to talk about How I Met Your Mother, and I'm just like, it doesn't crazy need eyes. to be spoken She's out. the, she's the like brothel, Deadpool's wife. Yes. No, <laughs> Deadpool's woman. Oh, Rina uh, Bakarin. Yes. Thank you. She's got the crazy eyes. And, I feel like this girl in in uh, Death Note had the crazy eyes like immediately. They're saying that your comment that uh, the best relationships are born out of trauma is a red flag and that nobody <laughs> says that is what they were referring to in case you're wondering. Um, so Maybe that's just my experience. <laughs> it, yes, I think that is kind of the point that they are making in the live chat. Single. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I, I think they're trying to tell you something in the live chat. Look, at it's all caps. <laughs> Callie D is a close have, personal friend of the show. I, That's why she can do things like that. I've okay. heard things that, you know, like some some like relationships are forged pretty strongly through traumatic experiences. What you're talking about is a shared traumatic experience forms a strong emotional bond through. Uh, Perfect. There uh, we go. Yeah. But there we go. It doesn't. A strong emotional bond is not necessarily enough for a healthy relationship. Yeah, and this guy and this guy has no emotions, so like 
There's not going to be a bond there anyway. But you guys get what I'm saying. Jeez. As he has repeatedly demonstrated. Our friend Rosie also wants to point out that Asian dramas have excellent soundtracks. Music is wonderful. Our friend Rosie is a big fan of K-dramas. And I will point to the one Korean movie that we have watched here on Sudden But Inevitable, which is called Space Sweepers. Our friend Robert from the Science Fiction Remnant podcast suggested that to us. And if you're out there listening in podcast land or watching right now and you like Firefly or Cowboy Bebop, Go check out Space Sweepers. It's on Netflix. Very, very good movie. Tons of fun. Highly recommend. Now, I I do find it interesting that Ricky was like, I like him less now because he's mad at an FBI agent. <laughs> or rather, he's you know going outside of his code, right? Like right, he, yeah. He, even, even though he established sort of a childish code, he is mm-hmm. going outside of it. Um, what do you think of the the fact that Ryuk is being full on neutral, right? Like he, at the end of the third episode, he does tip light off, but only because like he says, he's kind of eked out or is it, is it that he actually just wants the fun to keep going? So I guess what I'm asking is, do you guys think Ryuk is actually neutral or do you think Ryuk has his own agenda? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump on that. Uh, I do think he is. Uh, I wrote up here. I wrote in my notes. Uh, Ryuk is an independent agent, and I would agree with that because what he's really looking for is chaos, and he found Light, who will wreak this chaos for him, uh, and he's just going to sit there and enjoy it. He loves it. Uh, unlike the other Shinigamis that are up in Shinigami Tensei Land, who are just sitting there talking and doing nothing, he's actually reaping this chaos and he's enjoying it and having fun well their conversation is hilarious because they're like like where's where's ryuk where's he been like he hasn't brought any beer home lately like what do you think well he could have dropped a book and maybe he's stuck to a human no no way that would suck like (laughs) they want nothing to do with the human world because of how boring it is whereas ryuk is down here right now having the time of his life watching these psychotic humans go after each other. I heard he had two death notes. <laughs> yeah. Ah, what do you know? Now, <laughs> I will point this out, Josh. I feel almost remiss. You know me. It takes a lot to make me feel guilty. Um, but in the last episode, you said uh, he said something about two death notes. I'm sure L has one of them or L has seen one of them. I feel like I probably should have pointed out no, Light has one and Ryuk has the other one. It's hanging on his belt. He's I noticed using that. It to, I noticed oh. that this episode that he had a book hanging. Yeah. I was like, oh. And he and the only reason I bring that up is because I should have said it last episode, but Ryuk does say it in this episode. He goes, you know, once your whole thing is done, or maybe this pair of episodes. He goes, once your whole thing is done, I'll write your name in my death note, mm-hmm. and then you know everything will be over. So. I I almost felt like I should clarify that just because I don't want you operating on like okay this is definitely <laughs> like, right no I was... that you would but I'm I'm I feel like I should bring it up but I still have the inclination that he might know about death notes or have heard rumors of death notes and like has always kind of looked okay. for something like that so you let know, me like... ask you because this is the episode where he light starts kind of messing, messing with L yeah. and and going like, oh, I'm going to have this guy draw a pentagram in his own blood and I'm going to have this guy 
uh, run into the bathroom and die. And then I'm going to have this guy write a letter to L on his cell wall, right? Like, so how do I do this gently? I feel like there's no way <laughs> that L wouldn't immediately go, oh, this is a death note, right? Like if if that were the case. But if but if L doesn't know all the actual, because I mean, Light didn't, didn't know. He experimented with it. He was like, let's see what happens if I write these certain uh, uh, like, things that i want these people to do like let's see what happens if i you know if i write an action are they actually going to complete it and i think now now especially knowing that ryuk has another death note and that you know it's probably just a rumor that l has heard that death notes exist he probably only knows that if you write someone's name in there they die he probably doesn't know anything about the 40 second rule he doesn't know anything about the six minute and 40 second rule and like writing other things in the book he probably has just heard whispers and rumors that there's a book you write people's names in and they will die i like it and what i really like is that our live chat has asked you guys a question ricky and that. josh let's go in that order ricky you first why do you think ryuk has two books uh the best answer i can come up with is one of the books he's using for chaos he's giving it to apparently light he but he was just kind of giving it to whoever would pick it up the one that he keeps on him is still a tool that he uses for his job. That's what I'm understanding of Jesse's explanation of Ryuk's death note is he's eventually going to write Light's name down and he's going to use that to complete his job. So he tells him that because you have my book, that when you are done with it, I have to be the one to write your name. So, yeah, so it... And and I and I like that. It's like a one for business and one for pleasure. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? I'm not sure. I, I I don't think I know enough yet about the actual Death Note to make a real assumption about that. I guess. And I I wish I could because I'm sure that it's the explanation will pop up sooner than I can like theorize on it. But I I, I would I would agree with you guys that you know. One's for business, one's for pleasure, or one is for like, I mean, maybe there's something with the the lifeline where if a human writes another human's name, you know, maybe Ryuk isn't telling him that he gets more life when other humans do it or, or something. I don't know. Maybe there's like a, a different a different motive behind it, behind letting a human write in a death note and as instead of uh, a god writing in the death note a death tithing sort of setup kind of yeah or they or he's dying and he needs to transfer his soul over to ryuk so he's like experimenting and seeing who's worthy of it or sorry ryuk needs to transfer it to light i don't know man this is like some crazy anime stuff like anything could happen <laughs> what know? if it's as simple as their region locked so he has one that only works in japan the other one is only going to work in Canada. It makes sense. He's going to have to go check one out from the library if he's going to want to do any damage in uh, Ireland. Shinigami Realm is suspiciously Canadian. We'll just throw it out there. I think that yeah. that is a good point, Ricky D. Yeah. Um, our, fr our friend Rosie says one for order, one for chaos. I like that. Yeah. Uh, it is a, a great illustration. Rosie's comment, I think, is a great illustration that Ryuk is a true chaotic neutral. He is always playing both sides here, right? He's just, he's there to, he's to be there entertained. To watch. He's just there to yeah. watch. Like, he likes to watch. That's why his eyes are so big and he never blinks. I wish I could live that life. Here. Callie says, 
Thank you guys for having a go at theorizing. She appreciates it, as do I. Now, gentlemen, I will ask you, before we move into our segments for the week, is there anything from either of these two episodes that you feel I've steamrolled past that you suddenly remembered that we inevitably must go back to? Ricky D, let's start with you. What have you got, my friend? I I don't know what I really want to say about it, but I wanted to talk about the scene that was up in the Shinigami realm. Yeah. Uh, Seeing some of those other Shinigamis that have, like, gem encrusted faces and uh you know i'm curious what do they do other than laze around they're obviously extremely powerful gods essentially uh i i'm kind of curious to i don't think we're gonna get like a deep storyline but i hope we get like a three minute clip of shinigami land every episode every other episode just to give us a little taste yeah, and I really, I, I, I want to ask, and I, I'm only going to ask this because I, there's a chance that you picked one out. If you didn't, don't feel bad. Um, do you have a favorite non-Ryuk Shinigami? Uh, the guy with the gem-encrusted face is the one that really stood out to me. I'm yeah. trying to find it. I really liked him. I, I think there's like kind of a dead bird skull looking one that I really like. Josh, go ahead. I'm I'm finding it for Ricky right now. Uh, it's about three minutes and twenty or two minutes and fifty seconds in. It's like right after the theme song, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But there's another one who's like he has a skull, but his skin of his head is up above it. Yeah. And they all look really cool. They're very, very yeah. creepy looking. Yeah. And they have like there is a there is a quality to them that matches Ryuk in that their faces are not heavily animated, right? Like a lot of them are just sitting around and not moving much, but I like to think that that really helps to illustrate they're all just languishing and they don't care and their world is rotting. They've killed enough people. Bored. They have enough lifeline. Like maybe in a thousand yeah. years they'll go down and kill some more people. And so they're like, life. yeah, they're they're the Grim Reaper version of depressed. You know, they're they're burnt out. <laughs> And they're all just hanging out like, man, being a god of death is hard, man. <laughs> I I am really glad that you brought them up. I Every time we go to the Shinigami realm, I'm like, I just want to spend more time here. And it goes back to Ooh, what I said every in our time. first so episode. So we're going to go more times is what you're saying. <laughs> we will, yes. We will see more. I It goes back to what I said in the first episode, which is I actually just, I want the anthology series, right? Where it's like, show me all of the times a Death Note has been to Earth. Show me the story from all those different Shinigami, right? Like, give me multiple things. I am I'm very needy, I guess. Um, so, Josh, is there anything from the first two episodes that you feel like you would like to bring up? No, I think that what Ricky brought up was going to be my point. But it looks like Ricky's got another point. You can take, take my point. Yes. Use it. One more Go question. Ahead. Why do anime characters use their computer sitting on the floor? That's just one. Well, yeah. That, there were numerous in this episode. Ed did it on Cowboy Bebop. Okay. When That's you were 12, didn't you sit on the floor and, <laughs> and play video games? But go, go, go back. They're like How many people desktop did it in this computers sitting on the floor. Yeah, it, in one person did that in this episode. It was it was L. Just L. The, the other one that you're thinking of is... I know Light is, did it too. No, Light has a desk, man, with a drawer in it that he rigged to explode with gasoline. Maybe he should put his computer on it because he's using a computer <laughs> sitting on the ground. I think you're thinking of Watari holding a laptop with L's picture on it and other people talking to the laptop. No. But, okay, Josh, find me a picture of, of Light sitting I'm, on the ground I'm using his right computer. I'm, I'm trying. But <laughs> to that point, Ricky, 
I would say I agree with you. I would never sit on the ground. I have terrible posture that would kill my back. Our friend brings up in the chat though, Blonde Beauty 2323, which is not a scam name. It's a real person. She's it's related Emily. to Josh. She, she, she switched says, from Facebook to YouTube. That's a cultural thing from Japan. They sit on the floor when they eat as well. And I believe uh, that is, oh yes, our friend Brittany confirms Asians do a lot of things on the floor, cook, eat, study, sleep. Um, our friend Brittany is Asian herself. He's, That's not me just being like he's you know, flippant desk. or whatever. Oh, look at that. There's yeah. light at a desk in front of yeah, me. Yeah, I'm looking it's, at uh, Watanabe or whatever his name is. It's it's okay. I'm not upset with you. I just thought it would be fun to to point that out. You know how you and I argue sometimes. Paul Hawkins <laughs> says, "Tis a cultural thing. Japan has a lot of minimalistic, smaller places that students and young people rent slash own and chairs and so on take up a lot of space." I gotta say, we have the most informative live chat. Thank you again for being here with us. We are learning as we go along. That is one of the things that we love here at Sudden But Inevitable. So. Josh has cleared up all of his points. Ricky D, do you have any other points from these two episodes that you'd like to bring up? Good to go. All right, Josh, if you don't mind, my friend, let's do one of my favorite things in the world and get into our first segment for this week, which, of course, is Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episodes of Death Note, those moments that now live rent-free in our heads. Ricky D, since we don't have a guest this week, let's have you go first. That means, Josh, pull up Ricky D's shot. Give us the time code, and Ricky D, walk us through it, my friend. Ricky's comes up at 19 minutes and 50 seconds. Oh, there's his computer sitting right on his desk. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> So I picked this shot. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, I picked this shot because it's when uh, Ryuk and Light are talking about the eyes and all of the different powers that go with them. The ability to see their lifespan, the ability uh, to see their names, all of that. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting scene. I also like the silhouette on the wall. And most importantly... Uh, Phil isn't here tonight, it doesn't look like, but that looks exactly like his dorm room from freshman year. Just tons oh, of anime, all in all in nice order on the bookshelf. That's exactly what Phil's dorm room looked like freshman year. As the resident pedant, Ricky D, that would be manga on the shelf. Anime is animated and manga is in book form. Unless those are DVDs. Those could be DVDs. So you know what? I'm sorry for sounding, again, so naturally condescending. It just happens for me. I would like to say goodbye to our friend Emily from the chat. Thank you for being here with us and talking about Death Note. We appreciate mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Our friend Rosie says goodbye, Emily. Everybody says goodbye, Emily. We have the best live chat. Okay, I promise I'll be quiet <laughs> about it for at least five or six minutes. Yeah, Canada. Josh, oh, sorry, if sorry. you don't mind, bring up your first pick for a shot of the show this week, my so friend. So mine this week was at 11 minutes and 33 seconds. <laughs> it's, uh, it's this one because I love the way that that this guy carries himself. I love the way that the Shinigami is just like, I don't care. I'm I'm tired. I'm just going to fly for a little bit and just like walk, you know, and he has to follow him like a dog all the time. He just has to follow him around. And I don't know. I thought this this shot kind of encompassed their entire like relationship, their entire friendship, you know, that he's just watching him. He's just floating behind him like a little shoulder devil. Well, and even his menacing is lazy <laughs> like he's just yeah. 
He's just slouched over in midair. His like, arms uh, are hanging down. Like oh, I'm a man. demon. <laughs> I kind of wish I was with my <laughs> friends right now. But but he chose to be here, and it's like I mean, this is one of the things that I really like about this series is that. So as a huge wuss, right? I don't watch a lot of horror related things. Um, there's a new thing in horror movies where even if it's daytime, you're not safe, and I don't like that. Um, in Death Note, even if it's daytime, you're not safe. But I don't feel like oppressively creeped out or anything. Right. Like there's nothing in Death Note that feels like it's like ha. Now you feel like crap. Like so I. <laughs> I guess I appreciate that from an, uh, an emotional standpoint, and I really like that pic. Um, lots of light in that picture. <laughs> ah. But there's, you know, and it's funny, It was there was two shots. There was that one, and then there's one later on in the episode that's all dark, but it's the same exact shot, basically. Yep. So I was like, eh, yeah, I'll go with the light Well, because, one. and it's, you know, showing how routine killing becomes for light because it's just right. part of his walk home and he's like oh hey i know we're just walking home to kill more people but i've got a piece of information for you so yes right. excellent excellent point if you don't mind please give me my time code for my first shot it is 17 minutes and 36 seconds okay so this is as paranoid as we have seen light be i think up to this point this is Right after he first feels vulnerable, he first finds out that Ray Penber, the FBI agent, is following him. This is right after Ryuk tells him about it, and he's up in his room just like, oh, man, I can feel him out there even though I can't see him. This is probably an easy shot for Josh to pull because this was on screen for like four seconds straight. Yeah. It's a very slow pan just to illustrate the true isolation and paranoia going on in Light's mind. You only get one of his eyes, the other occluded in shadow behind the curtain. It's a classically composed shot, but done in anime, right? So yeah. it's it's the kind of thing that I pick because I go, hey, Ricky, does your film degree having ass like that shot? And I, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> um, our friend, <laughs> see, um, our friend Callie says horror movies are encroaching on the safety of daytime now. Why? Everything is spooky enough. Thank you. I you agree. Watch Scream eight or whatever that was. <laughs> it's, it was Scream five, and they should have called it Five Cream. And I have other <laughs> things that I will say about that movie on other shows, but. We'll get to that whenever we get there. So I don't know, man. For yeah. right now, well, the fourth one was Scriform. So for right now, if you wouldn't mind bringing up Ricky D's second pick for shot of the show, Josh. It is two minutes and forty six seconds. Yeah, uh, this is what we were just talking about. All the different Shinigami. Uh, I was mentioning. I'm super interested. Uh, I don't want it to take over the main storyline, but I am very excited to get more little snippets about this world and these characters. I actually never noticed this before, but does it look like his right? Actually, maybe both his hands are completely mechanical. It like, might be some... like a bracer that he's put his skeleton arm through. But look at the oh, good call. I think you're correct. I I think that's the correct uh, thing there. So what do we think? Yeah. Are these jewels that are like embedded in his face? Are these things that he's taken from the people that the names that he's written, or is this stuff from the human realm, or is this stuff native to the Shinigami realm? It's it's multiversal Thanos. That's what I'm wondering. Do we think so? <laughs> He's just and there's just a whole group of them, and they got bored. <laughs> uh, what if they like they can take the souls of the people they've killed with the Death Note and form it into some kind of uh, gem? Yes. I too played Skyrim a lot back in the day. <laughs> so 
I really like this pick. And to your point, Ricky D, it does. It kind of makes you want to just learn more about the world or one of the worlds, right? Our friend Paul in the chat says, it's always great to watch Ryuk on a rewatch because his relaxed nature takes on a whole new meaning and light in that peeking shot is kind of like he's checking on his food in a microwave. (laughs) That's exactly how I check on my food. I'm like tapping my foot. There's very tense music in the background. I'm like, oh, I need it. So that's actually a really good point, Paul. I wish I, like I could that. make memes really quick on the spot because I'd do it right now. <laughs> I have that screenshot and can do it by the end of the show, probably. Oh, All man. right, Josh, <laughs> give us your second pick for shot of the show. Mine was at 19 minutes and 51 seconds. Another shot of Ryuk. I just really like this guy. But I especially like this because it's showing the uh, he's he just is so excited for somebody else to see him. And in this scene, he's so excited that, you know, Light was a genius, basically. And was like, oh, my God, you you did this? So he would see me and, oh, my God, this is incredible. Humans are awesome. And I I just really liked that whole scene. I couldn't, I couldn't get a good shot of, um, like, the bullets going through him. Like, I really wanted a shot of the guy shooting at Ryuk, but Ryuk in the same picture with a bullet going through him. And I, it was really hard to find or to, to snap that. So this one was good enough because the gun is smoking and you can see that he shot through him a few times. And at this point, like if that was me, I would have already pooed and peed myself. Like <laughs> In that order? I think you would pee first, but our, I don't know, man. Kelly... <laughs> Our friend Callie says, Ryuk is so happy. And it's true. I I feel like you get this note uh, in, in Ryuk's voice here where he goes, well, he is the top ranked student in the country. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how did Ryuk become a Wisconsin mother? That is deeply <laughs> impressive. And like he's got a bumper sticker on his little... It's so... Yeah. My other honor student is Kira. <laughs> like, I just... Like, he... There's something about his pure excitement at being seen by somebody else and then like he's like oh dude you're gonna try and kill me now right oh this is brilliant look at you trying to kill me it's like it's almost like he's he's doing a bit like he's like oh this is great i get to be part of the show and everything i just that is an excellent excellent pick josh i love it please if you don't mind, bring up my final selection for shot of the show this week. Jesse's is at nine minutes and nineteen seconds. Oh, look, oh the computer on the floor. Look, it's <laughs> L at the computer on the floor. Now that's definitely a Power Mac, right, or like an eMac, whatever that model of Macintosh computer was. What I color like that. that one is? Do you think that one's I, I, the red it, one? No, it's white because this is post iPad branding where everything was white. And you can tell that it's supposed oh. to be Apple branded stuff, right? They've got the microphone there that's a little ball. They've got like the, or the speaker that's a little ball. They've got the microphone that looks like a little peg. It's just like, I I picked this shot partially to illustrate, okay, a couple things. I'm just going to say, looks like kind of a big room to be alone in, doesn't it? Second thing I'm going to say is I really love that we are getting a shot of L in, you know, in his entirety but not his face. <laughs> like they're going, here's the guy whose face needs to be figured out, but th- not his face. It's like, but we're not on Light's side. Come on, let us let us see his face. You know, and we do get some close-ups and stuff in this in this uh episode, but I the uh varying color palettes, right, between L and Light. Most of Lights are 
bright uh, yellow and white, and there's a lot of, you know, there is some red going on, usually just in his eyes during certain sequences, but L is pretty reliably cool-colored. He's calm, he's blue, he's intelligent, he's trustworthy, he's safe, he's secure. These are all things you associate with the color blue uh, traditionally. Maybe you don't personally, but that's... uh, the answer that I came up with. Uh, Ryuk's excitement at being seen by another person is how I felt when I was live on SBI. Callie D selling the show for us, and she will be here live again next week, ladies and gentlemen, and the emperors in the chat and out there in podcast land. All right, guys, that is it for Shot of the Show, which means we are ready for our second segment, which of course is Death Quote. Death Quote is the audio counterpart to Shot of the Show, where we share our favorite moments of dialogue from these episodes. Uh, Josh, I don't think you need to give us the time code for these because they are self-evident. And it's like people will hear the clips. They don't need to know what part of the episode it's in. So for the first one, just give us Ricky's clip and then Ricky will talk about it. Unlike some of them, know, we're out there investigating this case wearing police IDs with our names and photos on them. Anybody with a computer can find out who we are. We don't hide our faces. We're out in the open. Sorry, I made them with the timestamp. <laughs> no, no, that's good because people watching can see it, but those listening won't hear anything. This is a podcast, remember? Go ahead, Ricky D. Yeah, uh, I just picked this moment because it's kind of the first real fissure in the police forces. We've got L, who is, you know, this like next level detective who's willing to do anything to get Kira. And there's all these other policemen who their jobs aren't their entire lives they have families to go home to they have maybe they have a small business they have children uh and they're like there's too much data out here on us so this is too dangerous the guy was a total like we got families see we can't be afford to be out here on the streets like this see you gotta help us out see like it was one step away from being the news barker like whatever character that is right. from the 30s and 40s right like Come on, captain we've been was... in the paper for weeks everyone's been dying so we gotta make sure that we we get out of this he's the the newsman i think is the is the yeah. voice i'm looking for um but it it is it is an excellent point right like and it is sort of like it sh- it illustrates that we're careening toward this confrontation like there's going to be a there needs to be a face-to-face confrontation between so many different people right and then we get this i mean it's technically a face-to-face confrontation it's just that ray penber doesn't know it's a confrontation right but we do get a face-to-face confrontation right after in the next episode right after this gets brought up we do get face-to-face excellent excellent pick josh give us your first clip for the week my friend I do want to apologize because mine are like kind of long this week, so my bad. <laughs> you but pulled a Ricky? <laughs> I did. I totally pulled a Ricky. So It's just that I'm no ally of yours or Kira's if you prefer. The only reason I'm going to tell you this is because personally it's starting to creep me out. Get to the point already. <laughs> You're being followed by another human. He's watching you right now. So we definitely talked about this at length already. Um... I really like the fact that, as Callie brought up in the chat earlier, uh, this creeps him out. The god of death is creeped out by something as small as someone following them. Like, if I were him, I would, I'd be like, oh, oh, this is going to get really interesting. But for some reason, the god of death was scared 
or creeped out or whatever. Well, and it is an, it is a fair point, but I would almost argue he's just saying that so that he, cause it's an additional layer of manipulation to light, right? Like he's going, Hey, guess what I noticed in a very casual way. And it's like, no, this is a big deal. Um, I know that we all did a good uh, take on this joke, but I think our friend Paul in the in the live chat nailed it. So I'm going to do his version. <laughs> Dateline to Mexico. L makes ways and police task force by literally phoning it in. I think that's I think that's better than the ones that we came up with. So thank you, Paul. Um, Josh, good. if you don't mind, play my first selection for this week. That's right. I'm able to see your name and lifespan right now. If I converted that to human time, I could tell you how many years you've got left. But there's no way I'd ever tell you that. Uh, raise my hand if the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, they're just giving it away. And then I went, wait a minute, that's not the right number of numbers for a date. <laughs> and then he goes, if I converted that to human time, I was like, oh, here's a question. Why are you representing time with human numbers if it's not already a human time? What are you doing, Ryuk? Why does your brain work like that? Okay. Time doesn't exist um, in the God realm. That's kind of another thing where it's like, if eternity is eternal, et cetera. But he does point out like, no, we have to add, like we're only technically immortal. If your head comes away from your shoulders, that's it. So <laughs> like if they take a million year nap, they might die. Right. Because they didn't write down enough names. That was your best Picard impression ever. It was, it was Connery, but thank you. Um, that's a I was making cut. a green shirt. <laughs> I, that's what. I was in the process of explaining the deep cut. Man, it's like you don't trust me to host this show or something. I don't know what it is. All right. Play Ricky's second selection for Death Quote this week. Josh, go ahead. 11.45 on the dot. Everything went just as I planned. So this is the end of episode two. He has just orchestrated this very elaborate plot line on the bus where he gets the he gets his stalker to follow him. He gets this murderer to show up. He gets the murderer to touch the death note. And he this very elaborate plan. And as soon as the guy gets run over by a bus, he's like, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> so <laughs> like his confidence is going through the roof, yeah. which for a person who's able to kill anybody with <laughs> the flick of a pen, that's kind of a dangerous place. Did that guy's face get hit with a Buick? Oh. Nailed it. <laughs> um, okay, I have to point this out. Maybe we should change your name to Ricky B for brevity. That might be the shortest quote you've ever chosen on Sudden But Inevitable, my friend. Like, what what happened? Were you like going for a record? I'm I'm not complaining, but wow, that was impressive. I just chose the best quote I could. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Josh, right. I, I made up for it with my long-ass quote. So I, There has to be balance, right? To all things a season. Josh, if you don't mind, share with us your second selection, my friend. But this isn't just a date, is it? You said that you'd figured out a way to find your stalker's name. So tell me, what do you plan on doing? Huh? Come on. Didn't you see what I wrote in the death note? I explained it in great detail. No. Doing that would take all the fun out of it. In that case, just be patient. So on the opposite end of the spectrum from Ricky, you're learning about the like the beginning of his plan, that he has some grand plan. And so I love the mystery of this part, where you're like, oh my god, what is his actual plan? He's, he's going on a date with somebody. What could he actually have in mind? And then once he checks his watch, you're like, oh, shit. 
this dude is a genius. <laughs> yeah. I, without context, that first part of the quote made it seem like Light and Rhea were on a date. But this isn't just a date, is it? Just throwing it out there. <laughs> like, dude, the, but I had then that, he kept talking. No, it's. I had, it to, I had to cut it down. That that quote at the beginning was like thirty five seconds, and I was like, oh, this is way too long. <laughs> I, I I liked it. Uh, if you don't mind, give us uh, my second selection for this week's death quote. One of them escaped and ran into the bathroom I had specified in the death note. Another one drew the same symbol I had drawn in the death note before he died. And finally, a third wrote the same letter I had written in the death note, word for word. That's kind of the that thing I was talking about musically, Josh, where it's like that is the music where they keep adding another instrument in. Mm -hmm. So like it starts with just the plinky plunky and then the synth comes in and then they add in that wah, wah, and then, you know, it goes back to L and they throw the electric guitar in there. And I think that's why I picked that clip was mostly to illustrate that like very contemplative, very just intellectual sounding music what is it about like small repeating groups of notes that makes you feel like you're thinking is it a patterns thing it's probably a patterns thing i would imagine i would i would assume it's patterns but it's also like you you've heard the pattern and you're and then you hear something different and it brings you into it a little bit more because you're like oh this is new um it's that's it's also ahead. very reminiscent of how i write music i will write one part and then I'll add on top of it, and then I'll add on top of that, and I'll add on top of that until I get to the final product. And it's a full song. So in a way, this is kind of like, it's like they're writing a song through this episode. They start with one part, and then once they get a little more deeper into the plot, they add another part, and then another part of the plot, they add another piece of the music. So it's like putting the puzzle together through not only the scenes and the whole episode, but through the music as well. I like that. and. We've got another one of those very small uh, clarifications going on in our live chat. Paul says, you know, in any other country than Japan, that bus would be running really behind and fail, <laughs> like ruin the plan. Callie says, imagine if it had been late. And then Rosie said, I think it has to come on time because Light wrote it in the death note. And that is actually a good point oh, yeah. that I hadn't thought of. Like, yeah. not only was he controlling the guy who tried to pull a bus jacking, he was technically controlling the bus driver and some of the people on the bus. Like, the Death Note is influencing things that it is not killing. So it it really, and, you know, in pairing with this clip of showing what light can make people do before they die, it really illustrates how wide those ripples are getting from, you know, light originally thinking, I'm going to drop a rock in the societal pond and get rid of the criminals, right? Now it's like, you can't just do that. There are so many things that would be affected, you know, intentionally or not, if you tried to do that. It's it kind of reminds me a little bit of Final Destination. Like if you go back to to those old movies with like death is coming for you no matter what, everything is going to line up the way that it should because you're meant to go to this point. So whenever Light writes a name in there, you are now meant to do whatever that book says and destiny right. has written it so so you could call light destiny i guess but like he has written it in there and now everything that that has to happen for that to go down like will happen it's it's like fate whittles it so you know right but so callie had asked but can he really control the bus or is he only controlling the person who's gonna die and rosie brings up he's controlling the car because the car appears at eleven forty-five to kill the guy 
right? So whoever's behind the wheel of that car is inadvertently must be being controlled by the Death Note. Well, right? that's that's the crazy thing, because because that guy that's behind the car, you know, maybe he was late to work, or this is right. the first day that he was going to be early to work, and so right. he took a different route, and you know, all the lights were green for whatever reason to get him to where he needed to be, and fate willed it so for him to be in the exact place at the exact time for all of those plans to come to fruition. Callie, I think he wrote dies in a car accident to your, she said in the live chat, either he can control the things around it or he's dependent on the things around it working for him in the death note. He only wrote the guy has an accident, not that a car comes Ricky, go ahead. Yeah. And they also went over the fact that he tried to get one of those prisoners to go several thousand miles to die in front of the Eiffel tower. But that was not possible. Uh, So as long as it's possible to get these other things lined up, like somebody driving a car past at 1145, I think that it should be within the power of the Death Note. But if they're in a world where there's no no cars, he can't get hit by a car. And Callie, I I am not 100% sure. Do not offer a mea culpa yet. We, as Josh has said, many times we watch these two at a time it's hard for us to keep all of the details straight i'm not 100 percent, josh if you can scrub to that and read right in the now. subtitles what he says if you are able to um but this is actually a great point because after this happens what does light say he says the death note never fails right but he specifically conducted experiments in which he got it to fail on purpose so it does sort of, I think we have to have this discussion. What is he controlling? Can he only control the person that he is killing? Josh, go ahead. So he actually says at the end, then he will flee from the bus. And at 11, and immediately afterwards at 1145, the same day, he will die in an accident. Wasn't okay. Wasn't like specific on what kind of accident. It was just. So accident. Callie was right. He wrote. He dies in an accident. So that is correct. He did not specify a car. So the question remains, was the driver of the car being controlled? Or is accident just like fate magic? (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm not saying that in a derisive way, right? Because there's clearly some magic going on in this show. So I'm not saying that to be like, it's magic. But I, I really like this, you guys. I'm having a ton of fun arguing minute details with you. Paul says, I believe there is a rule if you get the full rules of the death note that states if it's not possible for the stated death to occur, the target will only die of a heart attack. Correct. Such as when Light says, this guy has to go to Paris and die. That guy just died. He, he died. Uh, in the, or actually, the guy that died in the he, bathroom? He I think, yeah, he ran into the bathroom and then, and yeah. then died because there was no way he could make it that far. So, yeah. uh, Gentlemen, that was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that we got some discussion out of our picks for that this week. Now, we do have one final segment, and that, of course, is our ratings for the week. Josh. Now, as we mentioned last week, because we are doing these as a pair, I think it only makes sense for us to offer our ratings as a total encompassing both episodes. So let's start with Ricky D. What do you have for this week's rating out of 10, my friend? Yeah, for episode three, I'm going to give it a seven. And episode four, sorry, I should give some reasons. They're very interesting episodes, but I'm still seeing a fair amount of flaws and just things that aren't really up my alley. So it's Mm -hmm. a good episode, but I'm giving it a seven because it's just not, 
it's not Firefly to me. It's not uh, The Sopranos. It's not something that I would universally love anyways. And for episode four, I think I'm going to step it up to eight. Uh, I really liked episode four. Uh, it was the first time that I, like episodes one through three, I was kind of getting the storyline and I was seeing where it was going to progress. But episode four kind of brought some mysteries my way and I didn't exactly see what was, see the whole plot line ahead of time. So eight for the second. So that gives you a 7.5 for the pair of episodes. Josh, what do you have this week, my friend? See, I'm going 7.5 on episode three. Um, just because it was, like Ricky said, it, there wasn't a lot going on in it. Like There was a lot going on, but it was more of a informational episode that was really informative and really, really good on the information. So like, I was cool with it. Whereas episode four for me was a nine because just the showing like how smart like yeah you you thought in episode two that l was a genius that l was really smart by 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 driving light into the light but now you're getting the the genius aspect of of light and like he is incredible with his thought process it's like he sat down had a sip of his coffee and was like all right how am i gonna how am i gonna screw with this guy and I, I really, I really liked the surprise at the end of episode four as well. That like him explaining his whole plan. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see more. I like it. So that gives you a collective 8.25 for the two episodes. I'm going to give this pair a seven straight across. Uh, it's ramping up for me. I know that there is a lot of board setting going on and I beg you gentlemen's patience and I appreciate it up to this point. Ricky D, I promise you there will be more things up your alley on the way in this series. I would not subject you to something that I think you're not going to like the whole time. Uh, even though that would be great for our podcast, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, and it, it, like I said, I just I love the punch, counter punch, like setup, counter setup and moment of complete arrogance paired very closely to a moment of vulnerability and like being caught off guard. So that gives us a 23 out of 30 or a 7.6 for this pair of episodes, which I feel pretty good about. That's kind of in line with our last pair of episodes. We're getting more range than we normally do, but I think what is happening is they're kind of averaging into the higher end, which I hope is a good sign. I hope that means that you guys are still having fun with Sudden But Inevitable and enjoying the shows that I make you watch. I know that we say that, but it's like... I feel like you guys at some point are going to believe me when I say I think you might like the following show. I don't know how many seasons it will take, but I think that we will get there. Now, I, I usually believe you. I don't I don't think I've ever had an issue with like you introducing me to something, but it's, it, it's and, and as a Ricky. whole anime anime for me has just always been something that I was very standoffish with. And yeah, you know, it, it, a lot of it is just personal stupid issues like the footsteps being so gd loud <laughs> why why are the footsteps so loud but hey you know i digress it's just i I'm, I'm really happy that you are introducing me to these things so i can be a little bit more what's the word cultured i guess like, no the word is to have more uh a common frame of reference with your friends it's not about pop culture better. cultured there you because, go pop like, cultured <laughs> yeah someone called me uncultured swine not too long ago and i was like you know what 
That might have been me. Or was that Ricky? No, I wouldn't say it to his face. He might have called us both that. I think it was oh, okay. <laughs> I think it was someone um, in the live chat, actually. <laughs> oh, it's that's possible. Um I have to point this out. Our friend Rosie approves of our ratings. Thank you, Rosie. We appreciate that. Live chat. If you have a rating out of ten for episodes three and four of Death Note, go ahead and throw it in there. We will shout it out right here towards the end of the show. Now Speaking of the end of the show, that does, of course, mean that next week we will be covering episodes five and six. And then we will uh, have, as I mentioned, Callie D from the live chat live with us. She was here with us before once and we had a blast. So we figured, you know what? Let's bring her back. I believe Death Note is one of Callie's favorite series ever, if I'm not mistaken. Not a hundred percent. So I'm excited. I wasn't there on the last one. I, I had some things oh, go down right. and I'm excited to to be in the in the same chat with Kelly. Yeah, we'll get you guys in the same virtual window. So <laughs> while we're waiting for any ratings or anything uh, additional from the live chat, gentlemen, let's do some quick plugs. Ricky D, go ahead and start us off. Where can the folks find more Ricky D? Uh right here every Friday night for SBI. Uh like I said last week, Best Flicks is slowing down a little bit, but I I'm working on a plan. Josh and I are going to discuss that this weekend. Uh, hopefully come back bigger and better than ever. Something a little different. Uh, and that's pretty much it for now. And Josh, if the good folks out there would like to get a hold of you or listen to more of your dulcet tones, how can they do that? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Twist My Armcast. Um, I'm basically the runner of most other social medias. So on Facebook, you can find me. Just search Twist My Arm Podcast. It actually might. Yeah, search, search Twist My Arm. That's that's the best way to do it, because that'll bring up all of our stuff. Um, and also our website, twistmyarm.net, has everything. It has Marvel Can of Madness, where we talk about Marvel. We do that live every Monday at about 7.30 Central Standard Time. Um, Quest Me is coming back on May 25th for Kenobi. I'm so excited about that. And, and Kenobi is going to start a landslide of, of new Quest Me stuff. I really feel like... Star Wars is is my first love in pop culture, and it's something that I am always down to talk about, and I am ready to like kind of push that show forward. Um, I that's I've been talking about starting a new show, and I feel like I don't need to start anything. I have one that I just need to to you know build up, and Quest Me is that show. So I'm really excited to move move forward with that. There's a, a really fun show I have planned with Quest Me after Kenobi. Um, it's a it's a book club. So if you guys like reading, um, I'm I'm doing a a book club with Justin. I'm the co-host of Quest Me, and we're gonna read the original Thrawn trilogy that started off all of the Star Wars Legends books. Um, and I, I yeah, if you guys want to join us for that, that'll happen later on in the summer. Um, but come join us for Kenobi starting in May, um, and that'll be kind of running pretty parallel to. Uh, jesse's new stuff which i'm also really excited about uh, yeah so uh at the start of may may 5th may the 5th be with you uh the new star trek series strange new worlds is beginning and as josh alluded to there is a new star trek podcast starring me and my friend cameron from the green shirt podcast and his producer john t bolds who is kind of our host and moderator open pike night in case the name doesn't make it completely obvious is sort of a call-in and submit show where we talk to other people, other fans about Star Trek. 
We want to get as many voices as we can onto the Open Pike stage. So if you're out there and you love Star Trek and you're excited for Strange New Worlds, please send 90 seconds or shorter of audio clips on your excitement to openpike at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter on my second account. That's right, at Open Pike. This week, you guys, I had my first ever tweet go over 100 likes. It is an amazing feeling. It has never happened to me before. So thank you, Trek Twitter, for... Uh, arguing endlessly uh, about the stupid question that I asked with a very uh, poorly rendered visual aid. Thank you for doing that. It really did make my whole week. (laughs) I promise I was telling people in the chat about it for like two days straight. Um, But yes, other than that, if you want to hear more of me, go check out Esoterica Cinema. I was recently on two episodes. There are more coming, don't you worry, where Jason and I, our guest from last week, discussed Neon Genesis Evangelion at great length. As you may know, I have a tendency to bloviate, and Jason did not rein me in, even a little bit, so go check those out. Also, check out my most recent appearance on Cheap Seat Reviews, the film, the podcast that reviews the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. I got it, Sean. Sorry. I was on their show for The Princess Bride, which is an absolute classic. Please go listen to it. And of course... Just follow me on Twitter for this show at Sudden Butt, or join us every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Gentlemen, I think that we have been, you know, just assaulting these listeners and viewers for long enough. Oh, our friend Paul is from the Blokebusters podcast. My episode will be landing this weekend as well, just FYI. So thank you, Paul, for the heads up on that. Now, here's the thing, guys. We're going to have to sign off and get out of here for the night, okay? So, for the order, let's go Ricky, then Josh, then myself. Oh, really quickly, I want to say thank you to Paul. I want to say thank you to Rosie. I want to say thank you to Callie. I want to say thank you to Ryan. I want to say thank you to everybody, Emily, who has showed up in the chat tonight. Brittany, thank you for being here. Thank all of you for supporting us. You make Sudden But Inevitable the fun time that it is for us so that we can make it the fun time that it is for you. We will see you next week. So for the order, gentlemen, let's go Ricky, then Josh, and myself. For Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. This is Ricky D for Best Flicks with Ricky D. And this is Josh. And all it will cost you is half your remaining podcasts. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs>